this is Aaron Saunders here, and this is uh, the recording of In 3 Talk 17. This turned into a much longer than expected vi- um, audio, so it was about 30 minutes, and so it's been cut in half. We'll drop In 3 Talk 17 this week, and uh, later next week we'll drop Part 2, which will be In 3 Talks 18. Thanks, and hopefully you enjoy it. Hello, Aaron. In three I'm talks. Listening, right? Yes, yes. In three talks. In three talks. Fifteen. It's been a minute. Fifteen. Let's uh, say fifteen. Twenty twenty is your second one. This is twenty twenty third. This is yeah. third episode, season okay. two, yeah. episode three. Yes. March twenty twenty. Yes. Yes. What yes. we got for today? Okay, so um, let's talk a little bit about uh, what you've been up to, and especially because in the last couple of weeks you have been interviewed. I've been interviewed, yeah. yes, twice. Yes. Twice. Um, a lot of it's been around community building. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I drove it towards community building. <laughs> because, what do you mean by that? Because a lot of it's about, talk to me about entrepreneurship and what you're doing to support entrepreneurship and uh, and it really comes back to community building and after you talk to people about it mm-hmm. then they understand why that's important but in the beginning they don't understand it and even with the conversation today the point that I try to make is that these organizations companies try to pick individual entrepreneurs and that's who I'm going to invest in and that's going to help the community but there's no I won't say there's no, mm-hmm. um, but lack of support in the community for the entrepreneurs, i.e. the infrastructure, without that, when they hit a bump in the road, when you run into a problem, when you run into a challenge, there's no support system to help sustain them and keep them moving forward, mm-hmm. right? And so the question is, how do you find a balance between identifying funds to help the individual entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. but making sure that the infrastructure that's needed to support them, i.e. the community, exists for them? And so that's kind of what we have been doing, but I've just over the years working around kind of the appropriate language and narrative to clearly articulate it and why it's important. So, you know, uh, earlier on we were talking about the, um, without naming the, the organization, mm. there was an orga- there's an organization in the East Coast that is doing something similar to uh, mm. community building. Um, and there's an interesting comment that was made and that you both inter- interacted in that comment. So do you mind talking about it but not necessarily naming the I don't know the comment because we talk about a lot so, of stuff. Yeah, the, <laughs> meaning we talked about uh, how it's not just about helping the poor. Oh, yes, yes, okay. yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, I get yeah. you. Yeah. Right, so it's like there's this, can I say white savior mentality? Better Might be a little dumb. harsh. Yeah, better not <laughs> be dumb. But yeah. There's this, there's this, this notion. There's this notion yeah. that, um, well, not this notion, it's this sense of satisfaction or feeling that I've done good mm-hmm. to the community by trying to find and only support those who are the worst off. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It's almost like if you're making, <laughs> so the way you look at it is, oh, this is kind of harsh. Mm-hmm. A harsh analogy, but I'll say it anyway. Like when you, if I want to invest in real estate, I find the shittiest neighborhood mm-hmm. and I buy the, I buy low. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because then my, my upside is way higher, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so I could point to it and say, look at this great return on my investment I got. Um, if I'm grant making or I'm a philanthropist and I'm putting money into something, right? Mm-hmm. I want big upside. 
So I'm going to find the people who are the worst off at the bottom mm -hmm. and try and help them because even an incremental change in their situation, mm -hmm. I've done good. But from an entrepreneurship perspective, like why can't the the middle class guy who's hustling and grinding, um, who needs support, who needs infrastructure, who needs community, you know, who's giving them who's who's providing support for them, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying don't give it to the other folks, mm -hmm. right? I'm just saying that there needs to be um, an understanding that that those individuals need support also. Did I say that politically correct enough? Yes. I danced around it. You did dance around it. And I, and I think this, this goes back to what you do. And, and right. the first thing that popped <laughs> in my head was the Inclusive Innovation Lab. Right. Because one of the reasons I remember uh, why you wanted to launch it, why you, mm. uh, you ran through the first cohort, is first, they don't have the technical support. Mm. Two, they don't have a space where they can bounce well, ideas gather. and right. so on. Third is they don't have an ecosystem to present themselves initially because most of the entrepreneurs that have gone through the Inclusive Innovation Lab have now been able to, to go, go and get to other programs. Right, yeah. So, I mean, it's, 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 it goes back to the old analogy of kind of we're like a farm system for entrepreneurs to mm -hmm. give them the support. Also, so, a lot of it, also the confidence, mm -hmm. um, help them work through their idea, kind of help kind of polish it up, coalesce around something more firm they're comfortable with, and then, like you said, move on to another program. Because you're right, a fair number of the folks that gone through in three labs have gone on to multiple other programs and have said to me, uh, one way or another, that, you know, coming to our program, A, it was the first one that they had <laughs> came to, and it kind of helped them as I said, formulate the idea, build the confidence, um, and pick up some skills that could help them move on to the next level. Mm -hmm. So, still, you know, focusing on the community mm -hmm. building side of it, uh, there was also uh, about a month ago or so mm -hmm. that you hosted a group of 20 people that have attended Afrotech. Yeah, yes. And um, mm. tell, 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 talk to us a little bit of why you wanted to do that. Because I know why, because we talked about it a year ago when you went yeah, after yes, Afrotech, yes. when you came back. This year, you initiated it mm. and you brought together about 20 folks. Mm. Why? And um, what was the purpose of it? The purpose of it was to, right, so I had gone to Afrotech for a couple of years and I went with my set of expectations. Mm -hmm. And there were good things that I enjoyed about it. Um, there are some things that, you know, I would do differently. Everyone has their own opinion on things. But what I wanted, you know, I thought about two things. A, um, a lot of black people live on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so is there something that we can do on the East Coast that doesn't need to be exactly like Afrotech, mm -hmm. but can target folks who were looking for specific things in Afrotech that they might not have found, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, just like... You shouldn't lump black people all into one kind of group. You mm -hmm. shouldn't lump technologists all into one group. Mm -hmm. um, and Afrotech is pretty broad. Uh, my focus in the tech entrepreneur space is about technology, pure technology, coding, software development. And so um, I think that there's space to create some programming that's focused on more on the more technical side of entrepreneurship. The purpose of the gathering here was to get feedback from people that had went to Afrotech, what their thoughts were, um, and if we were to do, well, not if, when we do something here in the D.C. area, what would be things that would resonate with that, that, that community of folks? Mm -hmm. So, again, in terms of focusing around the, the whole keyword of community mm -hmm. building, 
Um, the other side of, of what you have done is also uh, host a certain program uh, because, again, developers, what you mm. want is more technical. So you're hosting something, uh, a class called Python. Yes, for us, the Python Talk to class. Us a little bit why it's important, why you chose to start the year with Python. We chose, I mean, everyone's hearing about AI, everyone's hearing about data science. Also, there's kind of this this ongoing battle kind of in the geek world of people are like, Python's the best thing in the world, Python's the greatest thing ever. Uh, but then there's my company, and I've always been a JavaScript developer, and there's kind of this discussion like on what should people learn first. Um, a lot of schools, a lot of organizations are leaning heavily into Python um, and teaching that first. I think because there's this, I won't say perception, um, there's a, I think that people look at Python as there's, as there's, um, a lot of things that you can do with it. Mm -hmm. I have not spent a lot of time with Python. I won't say whether it's true or whether it's false, but I think that that um, people look at Python more from the business aspects and how it can be utilized from a business perspective, specifically around data, mm -hmm. like as a as a scripting tool to manipulate data. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's why you're seeing a lot more interest in it. Um, as opposed to some of these other languages people look at, they're just for coding. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Right? So there's an easier, in my opinion, easier access and opportunity for non-technical people to onboard themselves with Python than I think for JavaScript, C Sharp, or some of these other languages, just because how it's being positioned. So are you saying that it's easier to learn Python than JavaScript? No, what I'm saying is that I believe that because there's, a, it's, there's an easier connection from Python to data analytics, which people might argue is more businessy mm -hmm. than building a website or building a mobile app or building, oh, you know, right? Yeah. And so, therefore, I think that more people are being introduced to Python a lot differently than it would be. Like, how? Why would I introduce JavaScript to a business person? Like, what are you going to do with it, right? But mm -hmm. if I'm a business person and I know I have this large data set. And theoretically, people say, hey, you can manipulate data with, with Python. Hey, maybe I'll learn Python so I can manipulate data. Maybe I'll learn Python so I can understand machine learning. Like some of these other things that aren't perceived as like too technically mm -hmm. technical. Does that make sense? So you don't need necessarily a technical background to get into Python? You don't need a technical Python? background to get into anything. But the question is, because to me, it's all about how do I apply it? Like what can I apply it on? Mm -hmm. And it, this is my opinion. Mm -hmm that I believe that there's an understanding. So for example, the person teaching our Python class is in the business school, mm -hmm. right? He's not in a senior school, he's in a business school. And he learned Python through the business school, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. No, I, no, I mean, it's interesting because as we know, we talk a lot about the future of work. We talk mm -hmm. about uh, the, the black and brown communities, jobs and joblessness or employability and so on and so forth. And if you can talk a little bit more about the future written in code in regards to not just Python, but the upcoming mm. ones, and one of which is the wonderful world that I've been introduced mm. to is the gaming, right? Because mm. you have two more coming with yep. the future written code to talk to us about it. So we, we want to do, um, as I mentioned to you earlier, some, the, First of all, the people who are interested in doing a Python 2 class. So, like, the next pass intro, let's do a deeper dive. So, we'll probably do that if there's enough interest. But we already have uh, on our um, agenda to do one in React, which is a very well-known JavaScript framework. Mm -hmm. um, 
we try well, to pick things. Very well known for the developer. Very well known in the developer like, community. Or if you looked for a job and typed React, you would see a long list of openings for React developers. So we try to focus on things that people can see. Hey, if I'm going to take my time doing this, what's the what's the benefit I can get out of it? And we say, well, there's a lot of people hiring Java developers. There's people looking for folks with experience with Python. And then the other one we uh, plan on teaching is Unity, which is a game development platform, a cross-platform game development platform. So what that means is if you learn Unity and you write an applicate a, a game in Unity, the skills that you learn, you can deploy games on your mobile phones, on PCs, and even on kind of PlayStation, um, Xboxes, and consoles. So do you still believe, you know, when we talked about JavaScript back in the days, mm -hmm. um, you, you know, we talked about you don't necessarily need to have experience in mm -hmm. order to... So do you still believe like Unity, Python, React, I think you've already answered, but feel free to, mm. to, to include it in your answer. Do you still believe that you don't necessarily need to have a background in tech, meaning you don't need to know PHP, CSS, CSS C Sharp, and all of those languages, or JavaScript for that matter, in order to go and do Python, Unity? I think that... I My opinion is there are people who have an affinity to learn this stuff, mm. right? I, and I think that um, I, I don't think you know until you know. I don't think you know until you try it, mm -hmm. right? So, like, when I taught a software development class in the business school, um, one of the people that got one of the best grades was a business student that had never coded before. She didn't know that it was, it was a woman. She didn't know that she was going to be good at it because she'd never done it before, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. um, I think there's just a certain, for me, I think, and from what I've seen in my experience, there's certain people that just have the ability to think in a way that lends itself to being successful as a developer. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. Right? And so that's why it's hard to say, like, do you need one of these other introductory courses for you to be successful in the other ones? Mm -hmm. No, you might just be able to pick it up. Right? It's like some people can learn a bunch of different languages. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. They probably didn't know until they... They try. Until they try. Right. Right? right. And I don't... You know, so. so you go with the same philosophy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, one, uh, we're getting into the...